Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential and achieve your definition of success. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to the last Elite Achievement episode of 2021. This episode is significant to me because the Top Lessons Learned podcast is starting to become a tradition on my podcast. Last year in December, I released a Top Lessons Learned episode as a celebration for my first year in business. And I decided to do it again this year because reflecting is such a critical element of the goal setting process. Plus, I've been fortunate to learn from a lot of other business owners along the way, and I want to share my learnings and insights with you so you can grow even quicker. As you prepare for the upcoming new year, I highly encourage you to dedicate time to reflect on your own growth, progress, and goal achievement journey from 2021. We can learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about ourselves, goal-setting tendencies. We learn a lot about ourselves, goal-setting tendencies, goal-achieving behaviors, and building businesses by intentionally reflecting at strategic times such as the end of the year. To create this episode, I reviewed a year's worth of notes from Friday Rituals. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Friday Ritual, go back and listen to episode number six. Coaching sessions and meetings I attended to grow and develop as an entrepreneur, coach, and ambitious woman. I looked for themes among my notes and compiled the reflections and insights into the lessons that follow. The first lesson is connect to your vision. It's easy to forget what you are working towards, which I was reminded of during my third quarter business reflect and plan session. I started 2021 with a plan to launch a course and I spent time researching how to have a successful launch. I followed people on social media who appeared to be course experts, and I did what I thought I needed to do. When I launched my course, I felt both defeated and frustrated. I flirted with the idea of giving up on social media altogether because I thought, what's the point after spending hours planning posts to sell the course? And I even thought, why bother with this whole email list thing? It's taking me forever to build traction. I intentionally paused versus making these decisions or versus pushing towards another course launch. I've learned a long time ago that intentionally pausing is really helpful for me to get clear on what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I gave myself the summer to get clear on how I want it to move forward, not on how I think I should move forward or not on how I should move forward based on others' advice or perspectives or experiences. I'll circle back to this thought in an upcoming lesson, but when I revisited my vision statement during my third quarter review, I remembered why I want to have a presence on social media, and I remembered why I want to establish my email list. I had forgotten about these things during the mist of disappointment and frustration and feeling like a failure. And so sometimes we can get so caught up in what we didn't achieve that we lose sight of the bigger picture. 
And when I reread my vision during my third quarter review, which is a best practice I recommend, I remembered the impact both social media and an email list can have on my future ambitions. I'm not going to rush into figuring out how I want to move forward with my course. And instead of dwelling on what didn't go the way I expected, I'm going to celebrate the fact that I now have a course created. I'm going to trust that I will come up with how I want to move forward with this content at some point in the future. And this leads me to the second lesson I learned in 2021, how to execute on a big project. I launched a course and co-created and co-facilitated a mastermind this year while still serving my clients, maintaining consistency with podcasting, and quite frankly, having some fun outside of work. I learned some things that worked well for me to take on new initiatives to grow in my business without stopping everything else I was doing. I needed to schedule brainstorming time. My brain does a great job of going from exciting idea to all of the things that need to happen to bring this idea to reality. And this can feel incredibly daunting and even overwhelming and sometimes paralyzing. When you get lost in all the details and the logistics, it's almost easier to not take any action at all. By brainstorming to get this process going, I removed the pressure of figuring it all out at once, and I gave myself dedicated time to get clear on what I really wanted to create. After brainstorming, I focused on figuring out the next best step. I find it tempting to handle all of the logistics at once. I want to get it all done and cross it off the list. But in order to layer bigger projects onto the work I was already doing, I had to get disciplined at thinking what's next and what's the next decision that needs to be made. That way I could maintain my focus on the other priorities in my business. I also learned that enlisting the experts, especially when it comes to website design and designing of the content I created, is really beneficial to seeing a project from thought to completion. And this allows me to stay focused on what I do best, which is coach people and come up with the content that would go into a course. Investing also increases accountability for me. I realized last year when I started this podcast that if I start investing, it's going to encourage me to do the things I might not want to do, which helps me see a project through completion. My ability to execute can also be a weakness if I'm not executing on the right priority at the right time, which leads me to lesson number three. Learn to recognize the difference between push versus flow. You might be thinking, what am I talking about when I say push versus flow? You might be thinking, what am I talking about when I say push versus flow? I describe push as walking up a hill wearing high heels while boulders are tumbling down. It's challenging to navigate. Yet flow is when you're walking up the hill, so there's still effort, but in some tennis shoes and there are no boulders, it's a nice clear path to the top of that hill. 
flow is at space for me and my business when ideas come naturally. And I still need to work hard and I still need to put in effort, but there is far less resistance. So the achiever in me can get caught up in all of the doing. I can also get caught up in not giving up on a project. So if I say I want to do something, I want to see that project through because one of my values is discipline. I might plow forward to meet a deadline. And keep in mind, this is likely a deadline I created in my own mind without pausing to reflect and ask, is this project, is this task, is this product I'm creating energizing to me? Am I creating on purpose? Is this actually working in my business? And is this what I want? I'm starting to realize that push moments for me are often connected to shoulds. That voice inside my head that tells me I should be here by now. I should achieve this because someone else is doing it. I should do this because someone told me to. So in order to remain in flow, I'm learning to lean into my intuition more. I'm learning to trust myself more. I'm learning I need to stop looking outside of myself for answers and start looking within for what works for my business, what works for my clients. I have to believe that I bring a certain level of expertise. I bring a certain level of experience to the business that I have. And that expertise and experience cannot be found in someone else's social media post. The strategies I was focused on to sell my course might work really well for someone who has an online business or someone who's an online marketing expert or someone who's an influencer. But those are not the right strategies for me at this time in my business. As I mentioned, after my launch, I got quiet. I stopped pushing for the next thing, even though everything inside of me was screaming, do it again, do it again, you can do it better. The achiever in me wanted to keep going, but I get a lot of clarity from taking time, not too much time, and that amount of time could be different for all of us listening. For me, it was several weeks before deciding what's next. I also need to pay attention to how I sleep at night. As I reflect back on the course creation period, I I laid awake, tossing and turning so many nights in a row, and I was worried about things such as, should I invest in a course platform like Kajabi, or how do I handle this logistic? I'm worrying about things that I don't really need to be thinking about at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's my body's way of alerting me that I'm in the push. So as I move into the new year, I'm taking some significant lessons that are going to help me continue to lean into the work that I meant to do, to lean into the work that gives me a ton of energy. Now, one of the best things that came out of my desire to create a course was that I made the decision to hire for growth. So lesson number four is to hire before feeling fully ready. I added a virtual assistant to my team to help with marketing. And once I learned how to delegate, I realized what we could create together. I started thinking about adding a second VA in October to help with admin and calendar management. And as I reviewed my journals for this episode, it shocked me when I realized how long it took to go from 
I should add a second person to my team to actually adding the second person to my team. It took about six weeks for me to initiate that process. If I could go back in time, I would have initiated the process of bringing a second VA onto my team as soon as I started to think about it. As an entrepreneur, growing your team can be scary. You have to consider new and increased financial responsibilities. And when it comes to financial responsibilities, I learned this year to plan for three months. Many of us think, ah, I got to factor in 12 months of salary or expenses for a new team member. If you're thinking about adding someone new in your business, plan for three months of expenses. Because the thinking behind it is by that point in time, this person should create leverage for you, allowing you to increase revenue or increase sales, which is going to ease some of those new financial responsibilities. Another limiting belief that could get in our way of growing our team is the thought that we all likely have, I can do it better myself. I held on to some task for far too long with my first virtual assistant. It was such a freeing day in my business when I started to delegate the creation of my emails for my email newsletter. And this happened due to a time crunch with upcoming travel. And I'm so grateful I had that experience because I learned that my VA is far more talented at designing emails. If you've been receiving my month-end reminder emails since the beginning, you'll know exactly what the difference in the design of the emails today is absolutely incredible. Once I realized that the people I hire have more time and more skill set to complete the task I'm hiring them for, it really helped me embrace delegation. And another thought that can get in our way when thinking about growing our team is that we're often feeling overwhelmed when we think about adding a team member and the thought of training the team member is so daunting and we think, how can I possibly take any more time? I'm so busy right now. How can I take any more time to bring someone new onto my team? And I'm in the midst of this right now. As I'm recording this episode, I'm in the midst of onboarding a second team member, and yes, I am feeling very committed with my schedule, but what helped me get to this point is to focus on the next decision. When I focused on making one decision at a time, it relieved a lot of that feeling of overwhelm because I know no matter what I have going on in my business, I have the capacity to make one or two additional decisions. So again, simplifying and thinking about the next step can help minimize some of those feelings of overwhelm as you consider adding someone new to your team. And a final note, many of my clients have also added team members this year And they have benefited from having a clear description of the role they are hiring for. So yes, I am going to encourage you to take some time before the hiring process and figure out what role are you hiring for, what will the responsibilities of this team member be, and what are the results you expect this person to deliver. Taking the time to do this before bringing both of my VAs on has been critical 
to getting started with my virtual assistants quickly, I knew exactly what I needed them to do as they joined the team. So I was able to start delegating work, although I held on to some of it for too long. I was able to start delegating work right away. And as we go into the new year, I've been so impressed by what we've been able to accomplish together. And I'm energized to think about the additional workflows we're going to be able to create and the additional impact we are going to be able to make. And one of the benefits of delegating to a team is being able to focus on your most important initiatives for business growth, which is lesson number five. I'm going to talk about outreach because when I talk about business growth, I am talking about outreach or business development. I work with a lot of clients who have client-based businesses, clients in the financial services industry or in real estate or other professional services where their businesses thrive when they onboard clients and they serve clients and they retain clients. Last year in my Top Lessons Learned podcast, I highlighted the power of following up when it comes to business development outreach. And I mentioned the importance of planning your outreach. I have a lot more to share this year on the topic of outreach. Earlier this year, I bought into a story that I was telling myself that in order to create a course and co-create a mastermind, I needed to stop taking on new clients. Now, I'm not able to go back in time and figure out, was this accurate? Was this not accurate? But I can tell you that it was probably a story because I think we all have a far greater capacity than we actually give ourselves credit for. And so as a result, in the midst of course creation and during the time of co-creating the mastermind, I was not actively outreaching to connect and meet potential new clients. I made this strategic decision to free up time on my calendar to focus on these other initiatives. And maybe it was a decision that was necessary. But what I do know after reading Friday Rituals from when I stopped outreach and Friday Rituals from when I ramped it back up, I know for me that business development alleviates stress and anxiety. So as I get ready to go into the new year, I'm going to spend some time strategizing around what this means and how I want to move forward with business development and outreach in 2022. I also know I still spend far too much time thinking, should I send the email or not send the email? And I learned this year that I should not be the one to make the decision for someone else. I'm developing a belief around reaching out, sharing what I have to offer, and if the timing is right and I'm offering a service that's going to impact someone, we'll connect further. And I honestly have no way of knowing unless I send that email, I reach out, I have that connection conversation. I was also reminded this year that confidence grows from taking action. And this is something that you would think I would know because confidence is one of the characteristics of goal achievers. But again, sometimes we forget (laughs) what we know to be best practices or what we know works, which is why reflecting is so critical. Confidence grows from taking action. And as I've consistently focused on outreach, I've been surprised at how much following up actually works. 
let's be clear. Following up does not mean I always get a yes. I still get some no's. I still get some not right now's. But so often we stop ourselves from following up because we worry, what will other people think about us? Is it too soon? I just reached out to share this one program. Should I reach out again and share another program? All of these stories get in our way. But the more we start taking action, the more we build our confidence. I now have many examples that actually prove following up can lead to a meeting, which is allowing me to rewrite these negative mental narratives when they pop up into my mind. Another way that I've started to minimize the conversation in my head when reaching out to share a service or an opportunity is I plan in advance who I want to connect with and why. When I have a list of people that I want to reach out to, it's a lot easier for me to take action and execute when it's time for me to make that outreach. And I need to keep reminding myself and I need to keep reminding my clients that prioritizing outreach creates monumental energy in business. To stay focused on what's important, I need to have a tracking system in place. Staying focused on what is important brings us to lesson number six. Have a tracking system in place. It is so tempting to avoid tracking when things are not going great. The thought might be, I'm already off pace for my goals. Why do I need to track it? Isn't that going to make me feel worse? When in reality, avoiding it can intensify the anxiety. I encourage you to shift your perspective of tracking and move away from shame and judgment and move towards perspective and understanding. When I found myself creating stories about my results in business, I realized I wasn't engaging in the tracking process that I know works for me. Tracking and reviewing data helps minimize emotional decision-making. It helps build consistency. It helps you understand what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And this is all significant information you can use to make strategic decisions to grow your business or achieve your goals. And you don't have to use a complex tracking system. One of my most effective tracking tools is a Post-it note. It's simple. It's accessible. I can pull out a stack of Post-its and check off whatever it is that I am tracking for that day. If you are ready, however, for a more complex tracking system, creating a dashboard or an Excel spreadsheet with metrics that tell you the health of your business can be incredibly helpful, especially as you begin to work with a team. This year, I started to understand leading indicators and lagging indicators. Leading indicators are those actions that you take to achieve a certain outcome. You can think of leading indicators as a way to look ahead and predict what might happen. You can also make changes to leading indicators if you're tracking them and you see you're not getting the results, you can start to pivot and make changes. Lagging indicators are those results. They're an outcome and they're in the past. As you think about creating a dashboard, 
Think about what are the leading indicators that are going to drive the most results to your business, and then what's the most important lagging indicator for you to focus on in your business. And there's an importance to tracking both. I will leave you with one final lesson. Success leaves clues. I was reminded of this Tony Robbins quote this quarter, and preparing for this episode truly reinforced the significance of this quote. So often throughout 2021, I looked outside of myself for answers. I overcomplicated situations. I compared myself to what others were doing. And at this stage in my business, I have two years worth of data. I can study my own data and learn Another clue I got this year is that engaging in a consistent morning routine leads to an abundant mindset. There were times this year where I got out of the practice of a consistent morning routine and that left my mindset open to a lot of negativity. And so in order for me to be the impactful coach that I strive to be, to be the businesswoman that I strive to be, the mother and the wife that I want to be, that morning routine plays such a critical role in helping me start my day from an abundant perspective, helping me start my day with appreciation, and helping me start my day by reading. And when I read, I have new ideas to share with my clients. As you begin a new year, do you have a process for reflecting and planning so you can gain clarity around what works for you as you strive to build your business and achieve your goals? With that, Goal Achievers, have a very happy new year. And until next time, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website, kristenberg.com to sign up and get connected. We can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at meet kristenberg. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing toward your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.